Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Stahl. And that's it. Thank you for joining us, everyone. <laughs> Don't forget to leave some positive reviews on our iTunes and thank you. <laughs> that's all I have. That's all you have for today? Yeah, we'll give everyone a break today. A lot of legal issues this week that they've had to deal with. That's good because you sprung this story on me last minute. I don't have the background information that you do. Oh, like I do? Well, you knew about the story, but I'm glad we're talking about this because it's something I have never thought about before. Now that I've seen the idea, I'm pretty intrigued. So this is in New York, at least this specific lawsuit, but I'm sure it applies to a bunch of places. So restaurants in New York are being sued by the music industry for playing music in their restaurants, which... You know, like I said, when you think about it, is there a valid license to the music that's being played or how exactly is this set up? Or maybe some restaurants are just having the owners record their own music and it's that's what's being played over the <laughs> speakers. But it's a really, really interesting idea that, like I said, I never really thought about. It. And so, yeah, I, lucky for me, you've looked into music licensing questions <laughs> for restaurants. I've dealt with this before. It's actually, you know, we pulled out a story that we'll link to of a restaurant where were they in, um, I want to say New Jersey, but that's probably off. I thought it was New York. New York. Anyway, so the restaurants are being sued by music industry for up to $150,000 for playing music. And this is a big headline as if it's a big deal. But the reality is this happens all the time. And the reason is because, just like Matt's saying, it's not a common issue that you would come across. But those in the music industry know it very well. There are these what are called performing rights organizations. And there's a few of them. There's BMI, there's ASCAP, there's SESAC, and each one of them have different focus and so forth. And not really important to all this. But the point is, is that they govern not only stuff that's played on TV, but also radio for music. By the way, there's also related to this, so sports events too. And I've dealt with that as well. When you're watching the NFL, right, there's always that warning that this is not supposed to be rebroadcasted, et cetera. And then you're sitting in your living room thinking like, wait a minute, am I breaking the law right now <laughs> You know, by watching this? But the reality is, is that when you have a restaurant, for example, depending upon whether or not the general public can listen to the music or whether or not how the size of your TV and all these very specific specifications will depend upon whether or not you have to pay a licensing fee to the appropriate organization for use of that. And so oftentimes, like for radio, if you have more than like six loudspeakers, okay, or more than four loudspeakers in any one room or adjoining outdoor space, there's all these little technical details. But the point is, is that if you want to play the radio or even like people say like Pandora or Spotify, you can't just play that and say, okay, now this is my media entertainment for my restaurant. You actually have to get that license to actually play that. And so oftentimes, you know, if you think about it, and we've talked about this in the past, the only way that this license has any value of, or people have any incentive to actually buy a license is enforcement. So these guys, these organizations are very aggressive in making sure that these rules are followed. To such an extent, they'll even send in literally undercover so-called informants into these restaurants 
just to document and file a lawsuit or send a demand letter. And basically, it's not quite extortion, but basically convince you that, hey, unless you pay for a licensing fee, we're going to fine you for X amount of dollars. Unless you're Taylor Swift, no one's selling actual CDs anymore. I did read that she sold like a record number of albums, right? Well, she pulled her music from, at least from Spotify. Big Taylor Swift fan, right? Uh, eh, Not particularly, but... I like how you're not denying it, though. <laughs> it's the type of music where it's not good music, but it's catchy enough that like, after a certain number of times you hear it, you think it's good music, if that makes sense. I think you're just in denial. I think you're a big fan, so I'm just going to ignore what you just said. <laughs> but uh, back to the real legal issue is that I think one thing to recognize is that if you think that there's some exception that you're getting away with, then make sure it's founded in law. There's so many misconceptions. Like, for example, people put oh, what if I put my iPhone or iPod and then plug it into the speaker system? It's my music. I purchased them all. No, still no. And then, oh, what if I play old music or just play the radio or just play this? What if it's just for my employees? Now, that's actually an exception. Like if your employees are playing for their own benefit, like back in the kitchen or something like that, or, you know, at their desk and so forth, then that's different. But if it's broadcast in the public, you know, in the seating area and so forth, then that's an issue. There's a reason why, by the way, you walk into elevators. You know, you've heard of elevator music. There's a reason for that. There's a reason they don't play the radio because it's too expensive to do so. It's just easier just to buy some elevator music and play it like that. You always hear the joke on TV shows or it's usually on TV shows. They play like an actual song and they'll only play a few seconds of it. They'll make the, the joke that they don't, they don't have the rights to, to play more of it. So Yeah, that's pretty common. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of rules with this. Yeah. Very fact specific. A lot of specific numbers and size of your space and all this stuff. So it's pretty tricky. Oh, we have a question that I think you'll like as well. It's all for my benefit, right? (laughs) Yeah. One of our former employees filed a frivolous lawsuit against us. Our attorney is reluctant from countersuing for malicious prosecution, or should I just forget about it? So I think they're asking, should they countersue? <laughs> forget about it. Forget about just it. Forget yeah. about it. Forget about it. Yeah, just forget about it. I think that's the best answer for most of these. For most of these questions, that's probably the go-to answer. Just forget about it. I guess my question is, yeah, and I agree with you, but like, in what situation was you actually go after him for malicious prosecution? Well, that's a better question. Yeah, I guess that is a better question. Now, the problem is with malicious prosecution, and this is like the primary problem of bringing this lawsuit in every case, is that in order to file it, the case that you're dealing with has to be over. One of the primary elements of a malicious prosecution case is that the legal action that was brought was brought without probable cause And it was dismissed in favor of the victim, okay? And so that means that this case, that there's no countersuit for malicious prosecution. Because then if you think about it, it would be always like that. So you have to file after the case is over. Basically, you have to win your case, right? And I think that there may be some detailed case law in this. Like if you settle, right, that can remove your ability to file for malicious prosecution. If they withdraw their case early, right, and it's just dismissed without prejudice or even with prejudice, right? And there was no judgment, then you may have a harder time filing it. But the point is, is that even at that point, you're going to have to spend a lot of money, right? But let's break this question down first. So first, there's always going to be problems with malicious prosecution. But 
One of the things that this person mentions is our attorney is reluctant from countersuing for malicious prosecution. So first, I think your attorney may not have communicated what malicious prosecution is to you fully. But second is that attorneys, especially litigators, and we deal with them all the time, like literally part of our job is to manage litigation for our clients, meaning managing other attorneys that prosecute or defend lawsuits for our clients. And one thing that we've learned is that you have to have a lot of trust in the person in the battlefield, so to speak. Once you've chosen that person, once you've vetted them and you develop trust with them, then you have to let them make some of the strategic decisions on how to proceed. Now, that's not to say that you should trust them fully. You should always get second opinions. And that's kind of, you know, not to sell our services, but that's one thing that we do very well is that we keep an eye on these guys to make sure that they're looking out for an interest. We're a second general on the battlefield, so to speak, just to make sure everything's going well. But in this case, your attorney needs to grant to do a better job informing you and communicating with you. But most likely, even if it's a frivolous lawsuit, very rarely does a malicious prosecution case actually come about. And even then, once you settle this case, you're not going to want to do anything more. You're not going to want to pay more attorney's fees and with the risk of losing and, and getting involved with this, you're just going to be glad it's going to be over. And that's why I kind of asked, what do the circumstances have to be in order to bring the the lawsuit? I just can't think of too many of them. I mean, I guess yeah. if it really misrepresented, then that's, I guess, when you would want to do it. But for the most part, it's not going to be worth the time or the hassle or it's not worth it. Yeah. And I think that's well said because principle will always ruin you in litigation because litigation is hell. No matter whether you're on the winning side or losing side, you've already lost once suit filing has been filed, you know? And I don't know. I, you asked the question. I, the only times that I've actually personally seen malicious prosecution cases that made sense was in the news. You know, when every once in a while, I was like, it was such an outrageous claim. And then after it was done and done, you know, some celebrity countersues or not countersues, files suits for malicious prosecution or something to that effect. But other than that, it's not a very common thing to do because it's almost never worth it. And even if it is, and you know, frankly, that's one of the problems with our legal system is that it's very, I'm not saying there's a better solution, but one of the issues with our legal system, it's very easy to file a lawsuit. And no matter what, when you're sued against, you're going to have to spend some money to defend. And even if you lose, unless it's by contract or by statute, you have to pay for your own attorney's fees. And so even if the other party loses, that is. So in this case, this is just the nature of doing business. When you get sued, you have to chalk it up. This is the cost of doing business sometimes. I agree. But I think this was one of the better uh, answers <laughs> we had for a question over our 118 episodes. I think it's the first time we actually answered the question, right? Probably because there wasn't actual a lot of law required <laughs> to answer it. Yeah. Well, it's dealing with this stuff is not about the law. I mean, frankly, if, like I said, once you've been sued, you've already lost. So how do you prevent it? It's not about the law. It's it's really creating a environment for which you are risk conservative and are protected from these issues. Yeah. Anyway, I, that's why I just don't hire any employees, and then you won't have any former employees filing frivolous lawsuits against you, unless the frivolous lawsuit is that they were an employee and they weren't weren't really. I guess that would be frivolous. Or just sue them first before they can <laughs> sue you. Actually, that's a great idea. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and have a good podcast. Day. I believe today's podcast day, right? Sure. Why not? <laughs> All right. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. 
Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.